With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Wide receiver, tears, tie. We've done the quarterbacks. We've done the running backs. And now more than ever, Hayden, Wide receivers are going earlier in fantasy drafts and best ball drafts, specifically the home of best ball over on underdog. Talk to me. Why is this happening? Why all of a sudden has this conglomerate of people taken this pure sanctity of drafting running backs away from us and boosting all these wide receivers? It's because the running backs bust at a higher rate than these wide receivers. Like I don't see uh, Jamar Chase having a bad season, but you can sell me that Jonathan Taylor has a bad season. So I think it kind of starts there and there's stacking purposes that you have to get right in these best ball tournaments. Uh, It's the biggest best ball tournament by a wide margin at $15 million to hit some of these big prizes. You have to get your team correlated. And I think drafting wide, it's easier to add correlation on your team. If you're starting with the wide receivers, then your running backs. But I will say, I'm of the opinion that you want to just be sprinkling in wide receivers from round one all the way down. I'm not look, looking into buckets. I can find yeah. a player or two from every single bucket and I'll let the the tight end or the quarterback or the running back fall. And I'll just be able to pick my poison with the wide receivers. I usually like to have four wide receivers by round seven or eight, though. I like that. Half point PPR. Everything wins. If you follow a certain strict style and are solid drafters. Um, okay. Today, Hayden. Exciting times. Tiers. You and I rank the top 32 wide receivers. Then we mesh those rankings together, and this is what it's spitting out. We're only like half a week away from Best Ball Mania 4 launching, and so we're going to intercede some of these ADPs and interject them in there uh, and where we might be different, higher or lower, based on that. Here we go. Look at this beautiful tier. And we start off at number one. It's Justin Jefferson. Talk to me. Best non-wide receiver or non-quarterback in the entire NFL, in my opinion. He's finished 12th and 6th in better and best ball points, which is fantasy points over replacement. Last year, he had 184 targets. He only scored eight touchdowns. If he gets on the right uh, side of touchdown regression and variance, all of a sudden we're looking at some pristine fantasy numbers. There's no way he's busting this year. It's easy to stack him up with Kirk Cousins later. This is, to me, it's him or McCaffrey for first overall. That stood out to me that he finished as the wide receiver one despite scoring just eight touchdowns. I mean, compare that to a, a name that's going to be here in a couple picks and Devontae Adams, who scored 14. Mm-hmm. I mean, Justin Jefferson had just five touchdowns inside the 10 yard line last year, despite having the second most targets in that area. So like positive regression can hit Justin Jefferson, despite him being the wide receiver one last year. And on top of that, he had two weeks where he finished outside of the top 80 at the position, <laughs> like, including a week 17 performance where he finishes the wide receiver 86. Yeah. So again, despite having the best season of among all wide receivers last year, we could be in store for an even bigger season this year. That's compelling to say the least. And it's very fun to watch. Very fun to watch. Okay. Next up, Jamar chase as our second ranked wide receiver. Um, what else can you say about Jamar chase other than, What stood out to me is the Bengals style and how they accrued points and how his game kind of changed along with it. He was fourth in points per game on average last year. We know he missed five games with a hip injury, but his deep ball percentage, Hayden, literally dropped in half. Like 26% of his targets as a rookie were 20 plus yards on the field. And it was just 13% 
last year. So while for other players that might drastically change how we view them or what their production might be at the end of the season for Jamar Chase, he's so good at everything that it actually brings, I don't know, more of a mindset of consistency out of me when I think of him. First of all, we need to ban the too high shell. It's ruining some of these uh, players. <laughs> the fun. It's ruining yes, fun. It really is. Uh, secondly, though, the hard part with wide receivers is to be efficient. He did the hard part of becoming efficient. Then all of a sudden he has to win underneath more, which just means more targets. And that's still fine. He can win either route. He's been sixth and eighth overall uh, in per game in his two seasons. There's worse depth at running back and at tight end. Not that that necessarily matters for Jamar Chase. He's going to get his and the rest of the offense is going to trickle in behind him. I will argue that the AFC North looks a little bit better overall mm. when the offense is. So maybe the, the, the Bengals, the defense also a little bit worse, maybe get into even more shootouts than we're accustomed to. Just to go back to what I was saying, he had eight touchdowns on short and intermediate catches last year, despite missing five games and compare that to the year before where he played basically every single one. It was just six that season. So, yeah, I mean, having Jamar Chase get the football in, let's say, higher efficient areas and allowing him to win after the catch. I mean, that is uh, gold because we do know if teams do start playing Joe Burrow back to maybe what they were two seasons ago with good a couple luck. more good luck because you still have jamar chase and the name and t higgins we're going to talk about here in a moment after him it's cooper cup hayden as our number three wide receiver lest we forget the triple crown runner from 2021 what do we think about him in 2023 this is on a per game basis he's been battling with some injuries but the last two years he's finished second overall and first overall per game so if he hits, we're right back to the spot where he can be in the conversation to be the best player in fall of fantasy. The concerns, obviously, he's 30 years old. He had tightrope ankle surgery, which is uh, pretty severe. But he did that so early um, that he should be fully recovered, even going into mini camps. So I'm not necessarily worried about his ankle as much. I am more worried about Matthew Stafford's neck surgery. So there's like a little bit of injury risk for both of them. But Cooper Cup could finish as the first overall player in all of fantasy. So I want some exposure to him, especially in these big best ball tournaments. I did this with Jonathan Taylor, so it's only fair if I talk about Cooper Cup in the same way after his absurd season. Um, he averaged 22.4 points last year, le leading the NFL in points per game. But the previous year, depending on your scoring, 439.5 fancy <laughs> points. <laughs> so even last year, like it was going to be a step down. And if, again, he played a full season. He was on pace for 380, but that would have been more good. than Justin <laughs> Jefferson. Like the most absurd number I found going back to 2021, 18 red zone touchdowns. That is such an absurd number. And it's because the Rams throw more than anyone inside the red zone, inside the 10 yard line. Um, I mean, on paper, the Rams are going to be worse, you know, than they were in 2021, but they were pretty bad in 2022 as well. So I don't think like, we do talk about environments and how it can change the floors and the ceilings of players and all that type of stuff. But like if the Rams are going to be successful in the least, Cooper Cup is going to have a gigantic season. If I was doing a bold take show, you can make an argument that Cooper Cup could set the record for most targets in a season because the defense on the Rams is so much worse than it was when he was really balling out. And the, the, the skill talent around Cooper Cup, bye-bye Brandon Cooks, bye-bye Robert Woods, bye-bye Allen Robinson. It's like Van Jefferson and Tutu Atwell. Cooper Cup, there's a chance where he averages like 14 targets per game or something crazy like that. So I'm all there. I say we're getting a discount on Cooper Cup. I and mean, he's being 100%. drafted as the wide receiver four right yeah. now. Mm -hmm. Tyreek Hill being drafted as a wide receiver three. He's fourth and the final name here on our list. Hayden, talk to me about Tyreek and an offense that exploded onto the scene early last year. I'm not going to say fizzled out, um, but the most consistent member of that offense is Tyreek Hill. Still such a sud, uh, 29 years old. I'm not really worried about the age cliff with him quite yet. I will say that he was the eighth overall player last year per game. Um, and there, there is a little bit of regression coming for, for Tyreek Hill and for Jalen Waddle. Uh, if you're looking at just like yards per target, he was dominant there in ways that was even surpassing what he was with Patrick Mahomes. So there's some downright downside risk. If Tua gets banged up a little bit, I will say that we both do like, uh, Mike White back there as as the backup at least, but Tyreek Hill of the guys, he actually has regression um, in ways that Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson just don't. Right now on Best Ball Mania four drafts, these top four wide receivers are being drafted in the first six picks. It is a again tier break for us at this point. And after that, though, like Stefan Diggs is the next name, just ADP wise, and that's only a pick or two 
later. So while again, it's a tier break, it is not a round break or even a gap break between them in, in drafts right now. And I think that that just speaks to um, how everyone is prioritizing the wide receiver position early on. There's a chance that Eckler, if he gets confirmation that he's back with the team or B. John Robinson continue, continues to get steamed, that there could be a little bit of separation between these two tiers. But for now, it's all wide receivers. I'm more confident in Tyreek Hill repeating his 2022 season than Jalen Waddle, by the way. Like, yeah, just Tyreek is such a freak. And actually, he had a career low in yards after catch per reception last year. And it still like doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, freak show. Okay. Shall we jump to tier two? Yes. For us, yes. it is headlined by Devontae Adams. Uh, my fun stat with Devontae Adams, and I'm talking out both sides of my mouth a little bit, but he had nine deep touchdowns last year on 15 deep catches. Like that's an absurd rate of scores. That's also, if you think about it now, who the quarterback is, that's not Jimmy G's game. However, it really wasn't. Devonte Adams game until last season either because in Green Bay he lived more in the middle of the field he lived more in the intermediate areas and so I really don't know exactly what Jimmy Garoppolo is going to look like outside of San Francisco and outside of Kyle Shanahan but he's definitely not afraid to tack that middle of field area so while we are on like the really positive end of regression for Devontae Adams last season in terms of his efficiency on those big time targets, I don't think we'll have to live and die by those high variance plays again this year. I think it'll be more consistent production. Yeah, that was going to be my note. His ADOT almost went up to 13 yards downfield. Historically, it's closer to like 10 and a half. He still gets the screens, but it was more deep variety targets. So I think it's going to kind of be kind of like with the Jamar Chase discussion, though, is like he did the hard part being efficient. So if his some of the deep targets go away, but it's just because there's going to be more volume, I think that's a swap I'm willing to make. He is 31 years old, but if you look at it last year, I think this is kind of an interesting stat to look at for if we're approaching age cliffs. He still had a ton of missed tackles force. And I think like, you either have the juice to do that and the strength to do it, yeah. or you don't. And the fact that he still was dominant in that category, I think is pretty encouraging that he's still going to have another year or two. And he's been a top seven overall player in the last two seasons, going from, from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr. And now Jimmy G, I still think he's probably going to be a second round value at the worst. AJ Brown is our wide receiver six. Another one of these players who created production in a way that he hadn't before I mean, with defenses adding an extra man to the box, running more single high against the Eagles, this allowed A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, you know, isolated players on the outside. And that can be unfair when you have two ball winners and two athletic freaks. I mean, he scored seven touchdowns and 20-plus yard catches in the regular season last year. He totaled five touchdowns on 20-plus yard catches in his previous three seasons. So now we know, truly, that A.J. Brown can do it all. He was 18th overall last year, um, and his ADP is definitely higher than that. So I kind of struggle with A.J. Brown because I think he's a total baller. Like you said, I want to draft a lot of Jalen Hurts, but I think my exposures to A.J. Brown will be with Jalen Hurts at the round one-two turn together. I will say even A.J. Brown, there is more passing volume potentially with the Eagles. They were only 23rd in pass attempts last year because they were ripping teams up on the ground and their defense was shutting out teams on the other side. If the defense is either worse or if they have to win with more play volume in general, there's a chance that AJ Brown could beat his last year's season just when it comes to targets and receptions. Imagine being at the turn and seeing both AJ Brown and Devontae Adams on the board. That would be ideal. That's good stuff. Ideal. So we are higher than ADP on both Devontae and AJ Brown. Uh, that means we have to be lower on someone else. And it's the aforementioned, Stefan Diggs. We don't dislike Stefan Diggs as a player. I'm not trying to lead you in a negative light here, but what's your view on Stefan Diggs this season after? I'm not even going to call last year a down season, but production wise, it kind of was. Yeah, I think that his touchdowns are likely to decrease. He had 14 of them last year, which is above expectation there's been a little bit of talk about being a little bit more balanced and it's not just talk the the bills have added some of the pieces that would would be necessary if they are going to be a little bit more balanced so i think steph Diggs is a totally fine pick he was 12th overall last year i think that he's going to be right around this round one two turn but i do like some of the upside cases with Devonte adams and aj brown in particular slightly more um just because i'm a little bit interested in see what this bill's offense is going to look like two more two tight end sets damian harris at the goal line instead of running these like kind of fade routes to steph Diggs, there's a lot of moving parts here um with the bill's offense 
I think Gabriel Davis, the team knows kind of what he is now as like a peripheral piece, a tertiary piece instead of like that true secondary piece. I haven't been able to watch their post-draft press conferences yet. So I'm really intrigued to see what they say about Dalton Kincaid and how they view him. Just my mind immediately jumped to Ken Dorsey on the Panther staff when Greg Olson was there. Um, but that was more single tight end looks and not necessarily double tight end looks. And unless you go all the way back to Jeremy Shockey days under Rob Chudzinski um, during Cam's rookie year. But I, I kind of wonder, I mean, obviously Stefan Diggs, no matter what, is going to be that number pa- number one pass catching weapon. But if they do feel almost Vikings post trade of TJ Hawkinson, if Kincaid is going to be that second guy. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, I'll have more notes on that next week. Okay. So after Stefan Diggs, we get to CD Lamb. Um, changes, dare we say. Kellen Moore out. Mike McCarthy stays. We talked about play volume and that how that might be a concern. What's your view on uh, CD Lamb in terms of what his uh, outlook is for the, this upcoming season? Last year, he was the 19th overall player. I'm a little bit worried about play volume in general. There's a little bit of target competition uh, added with with Brandon Cooks. I think Michael Gallup will have a better season than he did last year just by default. But the neutral pace is definitely a little bit of a concern. Kellen Moore has been top five in that category forever. The last three seasons when Mike McCarthy's been calling plays, now that was with Aaron Rodgers, who likes to slow play it. Um, they were in the in the 20s usually. So if they want to run the ball a little bit more and be more balanced, I would take away from C.D. Lamb. Uh, interesting player. He did. He is coming off of a career high 2.4 yards per route run. He looked better last year to me, like on tape. There was a physicality that I thought was missing the first two seasons with CeeDee Lamb. I thought he added a little bit to that in year three. So I think CeeDee Lamb's a safe pick. Uh, I just think that his odds of like really breaking out possibly are lower just because um, maybe some of the infrastructure of the offense is a little bit worse than that's what's being led on right now. He, uh, is one of these interesting hybrid players. Like he's been a slot wide yeah. hybrid guy all the time, which is good. Like you get to create favorable matchups and not just stick them on like one isolated um, area of the field. Okay. If people out there noticed a slight hesitation from Hayden's reaction, it's because I flubbed it. And uh, Garrett Wilson, the second year player from the jets is actually our eighth wide receiver on the board. Um, what a change it makes leaving departing, Zach Wilson and now getting Aaron Rodgers. I went back and looked at because, like, if you remember going through stats versus film those first couple weeks when I think Joe Flacco was starting, he had like eight red zone targets already. And that was more than any other player in the league. And if you go and then look at what that was when Zach Wilson was that quarterback, he only had one in his next seven games and like red zone targets are pretty damn important when you're talking about wide receiver production. So when an actual quarterback was out there, he was getting high value targets and I don't mean to keep going on, but like what the connection that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams had inside the 10 yard line, like the easiest replacement for that is not Alan Lazard. It is 100% Garrett Wilson in that tight area of the field. The upside has been unlocked with Garrett Wilson. So it really just comes down to is how bullish do you want to get? He's going to be going at the round one, two turn. I think uh, the difference between Garrett Wilson and Devontae Adams thus far is, well, first of all, Garrett Wilson has not been crowned as arguably the best wide receiver in the league. But secondly, Devontae Adams was getting so many screens with Aaron Rodgers. It'd be like 16 uh, per season. Garrett Wilson didn't necessarily have that. I think, partially because they would get Elijah Moore in that category. But I think that Aaron Rodgers, there's there's these some of these looks that he has where it's by Aaron Rodgers just the yes. box count where before the play, he doesn't care what the coach is called. He's saying, I'm just throwing this, this tunnel screen or this little bubble screen, typically a bubble screen, out to Devontae Adams and just let him cook. I think that's what Garrett Wilson is going to provide. So I think that's going to be the big difference is there's going to be some looks where Aaron Rodgers says, screw what uh, the OC says. I know ball myself, and he's going to try to look <laughs> and get Garrett Wilson some advantageous stuff. And Aaron, Garrett Wilson has so much explosiveness um, that the upside here is like very obvious. Yeah, it's like those on-site calls, right? And sure, it took Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams time, time to gel, yeah. and hopefully you only get a summer of that, and it mm-hmm. perfectly happens there with Garrett Wilson. But to your point, that led Devontae Adams having the second most red zone touchdowns in 2021 and the most in 2020. So like the pattern is there for one of these guys, even if Randall Cobb gets brought in and – Alan Lazard and, you know, Michael Hallerman and all that stuff. Like, Garrett Wilson can be the dude, and so that's why we have him among the top eight. All right, 
10, I'm on Ross St. Brown. This is a, a very fascinating profile to me because it's so different than the pure touchdown scores that we've seen in the other spots, right? Yeah, the he's just going to be all volume. But the key to Amon Ross St. Brown is the competition's still very weak. I mean, Jamison Williams is going to be suspended. Like, I don't see Marvin Jones and Josh Reynolds all of a sudden uh, popping up here. I guess maybe Jameer Gibbs in to catch a couple more passes. But the, the Lions running backs were all heavily involved already. If we can flip some of these coins where instead of Jamal Williams shaking his booty in the end zone, it's going to be Amon Ross St. Brown actually getting in the end zone. All of a sudden, we have some more touchdowns up there. So Amon Ross St. Brown's going to 100% get his. I guess the only negative case that you can make uh, for Amon Ross St. Brown to me is the defense could be better. So maybe instead of some of these massive shootouts, the Lions were getting themselves into, maybe it's a little bit harder to do, but in the dome, Amon Ross St. Brown's so good. Jared Goff, I think is a, sum of his parts quarterback and they got the, sum of the parts right now. And we love Ben, Wa uh, Ben Johnson, go watch our scheme episode on one of the best and most underrated players or play callers in the league. Amon Ross St. Brown has 292 targets in his first two years. The most of any receiver, the most. <laughs> Uh, he had, a, he had 101 targets less than 10 yards down the field last year, and he was still the wide receiver 10 in points per game. Again, it just speaks to the consistency that you were talking about. And I always, and we'll talk about it probably more often this year than previous years, touchdowns are really important. He was still that productive as a wide receiver 10 in points per game, scoring just six scores, mm -hmm. six times. Like, I, again, he has historically not been that player to get a large volume inside of the 10, but who knows what changes if Jamal Williams isn't getting 42 carries inside the red zone or inside the 10-yard line this year. So. He has a role that nobody else in the league has. Like, Cooper yep. Cup doesn't necessarily have the same exact role. Like, no one is used in the backfield, in the slot, in the screen game, like Amon Ross St. Brown. He's such an alpha that he even can win downfields when they ask him to. All right. Tear break here. Then we go down to T. Higgins up next. We already talked about his running mate in Jamar Chase. Talk me through T. Higgins. This is just, to me, small loss with a potentially massive win. It's just going to come down to how good the Bengals are and if Jamar Chase is going to be healthy or not. In the last two seasons, when Chase has been mostly healthy, uh, T. Higgins has finished 34th and 37th overall. He gets drafted a little bit ahead of that. So I think the median outcome is he's a slight loss player, but if the Bengals are could even take another leap here, or if Jamar Chase misses some time, this is how T. Higgins can enter into at least the A conversation when it comes to these tiers. So this is very simple to me, like small loss, big win. And while the teardrop from the first, the second on underdog drafts, isn't that drastic? This one is a bit more because I'm on Ross St. Brown is being drafted as the wide receiver 10. That's around a 16 overall ADP. The next one's at 19 and then 23 after that. So again, there is a, a little bit of a gap that is more significant, I think, to drafting styles. And all these guys are like early third round picks. All yes. of them about to talk about. And if you go watch our running back episode, we were making the case to have these running backs that are going by T Higgins, like draft those guys. So right. T Higgins is one of these players, same thing with Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle, who are basically the same type of profile where I'm sh not clicking their names as much as I'd like to. I love all of them, but just because of like going right next to like players, that I think could like be the guy that you absolutely need at running back spot. So interesting to hear. I definitely think there's a big gap between Amon Ross and Brown versus the next group. And one, go watch that running back tiers video, but a couple of names that you're talking about there is like Derek Henry, Josh Jacobs, Brees Hall, or Mondre Stevenson or four Pollard in that area. Tony Pollard, 100%. Um, if you hear us talking about best ball, hopefully you've played, but if you haven't, this summer is the time to do it. Like it has never been a better game than it is right now. Um, Underdog fantasy is the home of best ball. Go and click the link down below. You've probably heard about Best Ball Mania 4 and a $15 million prize pool. But you can also, you know, dip your toes in there when puppies launch or like $5 and $10 drafts as well. So it, it is truly the best version of fantasy football, the best elements of it. All you do is draft and we pick your best lineup for you each and every week. That's it. It's like that rotisserie chicken commercial that you previously saw. Set it and forget it. You know, you're not if you're watching this video and it's May 3rd you clearly have some interest. Go put that interest to use. And you're not alone right now. We've already had 25,000 people already sign up for Best Ball Mania 4 in just a couple of days. So you're not alone out there. Yeah, go draft now um, and draft often this summer. Okay, so we talked about Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. The other dynamic duo 
is AJ Brown and next to him is Devonte Smith, uh, the slim reaper. Uh, it was really cool to see Devonte Smith. I'm not going to say evolve his game or change his game at all last year, but we really saw a lot of, to me, the strengths highlighted, especially that game against the commanders where he was mossing people. He was winning down the field. It almost felt like at times Hayden, the Eagles were just too damn good. Uh, and so they didn't have to rely on all of their weapons to play from like the first quarter to the fourth quarter at their limit. If that makes sense. No, completely agree. My two notes was the Eagles were 23rd in pass attempts. And despite that, Devonta Smith was still the 36th overall player. And my other note was he's still getting better. Like you said, I saw a difference between uh, year two versus year one. And he still hasn't even eclipsed 2.0 yards per route run, which is kind of like the 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 tier of like you're a superstar or, or just budging on it. If something ever happens to AJ Brown, Devonta Smith's going to go to the moon. He's still definitely a, a wide receiver one in my eyes, just happens to be next to a true, true alpha in AJ Brown. So he's one of these players in the third round. I'm going to have some interest. Yeah, I think he had, let me find it here. Yeah, five games where he scored less than 10 points. Again, it's because like pedal to the floor, they didn't have to do too it. Dominant. Yeah, too dominant. Yeah, too dominant. Be worse, Eagles, is basically what we're saying. <laughs> yes, and I think they will be by default. By default. Uh, don't say that too loudly or else Philly's going to come for you. Okay, next up, uh, another Robin to a Batman we've already discussed. Jalen Waddle is on this list. I, my comments earlier were not to, you know, say that Jalen Waddle is not a good player. I'm just thinking that if this offense, again, not going to use the word figured out or blueprint or any of that stuff, but Jalen Waddle's clearly number two in the pecking order on the Dolphins offense each and every week. Yeah. And as good as Jalen Waddle is just nobody has an 11.7 yards per target in the NFL. Like there's a lot of good wide receivers. They don't come close to that. And that's what he had last year as a rookie that was at 7.3. So I think that he's going to probably meet somewhere in the middle. His yards per route run was at 2.6. I mean, we're talking about Devonta Smith can't even clear two Jalen Waddle's at 2.6. I think that's bound to regress a little bit. So this is just, against the math here at this point with Jalen Waddle, a fantastic player, fun to watch as good as you can possibly get really out there. But the concern that we talked about in the quarterback video, go watch that with the Tua stuff at the right. late, later part of the season. Some of the de- the defense they were facing were changing them, getting their hands on these wide receivers. I wouldn't call it a blueprint, like you said, but it's at least a concern with what could happen if it's not just sitting in kind of deep zone coverages. And Jalen Waddle's a stud. Whenever he like puts his head down, it's Ted Gunner-esque in terms of just running away from everyone else. But to your point, he was third in the NFL among like, let's say a 20% of 176 targets out there. So like you actually played in the league last year, 6.9 yards after the catch. That was only after Debo Samuel and only after Rondell Moore, who doesn't run downfield routes. Right. And then, on top of that, like you said, his yards per reception was clearly a mile ahead of everyone else in 18.1. And the next guy that actually like played snaps was Devontae Parker, Gabriel Davis, and A.J. Brown. You can be very good and still regress. That right. happens every single year. Right. Okay. After Jalen Waddell, it is Amari Cooper. Um, one of the steals of last offseason. We have to say it. Like Looking back on what every single team paid for either wide receiver's in free agency or in other trades or in the draft, getting Amari Cooper for what they did. Um, and now, at least to me, in my eyes, him still showing a lot of promise and what he is best at makes me really optimistic if the redacted quarterback actually plays well this season. Yeah, completely agree. We The fantasy community wrote him off too early. He's still only 29 years old. He nearly had a career high in yards per route run last year. I still think that he looks very good. Sometimes a little bit more inconsistent than like the A tier wide receivers, but when he's going, he's really going. And he was already the 33rd overall player last year. Deshaun Watson is not going to be worse than like the Baker Mayfields and the Jacoby Brissett's and stuff. I don't think. I think there's a chance that he's well beyond that. And if that is the case, you're going to want some Brown stacks. So the late round three, early round four, I've been drafting quite a bit of Amari Cooper. Have you ever been on vacation? After a long day of activities or sightseeing, you have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. 
you start a new show, a new series. And when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals underdog. I did want to ask, because this is maybe the player that so far we have disagreed with consensus the most. Like he's being drafted as the 18th wide receiver right now. You have him as your 14th ranked wide receiver. I think some people are going to say, well, they've brought in Elijah Moore. They've brought in Cedric Tillman. Like, does this change how many targets and the opportunity that Amari Cooper can get? I, I think I know your answer to this, that, mm-hmm. hey, if the team is better, they're just going to score more points and probably their number one wide receiver equals more points each week, you know, and that's probably the main foundation of us ranking him earlier. That is the most obvious and the most accurate explanation. The secondary thing is that's just <laughs> justification of the Browns aren't going to be as slow paced and run heavy as they have been historically. So I think there's a chance that they score more points, but more importantly, they're just going to be throwing the ball a little bit more. So bring on the Elijah Moore's that he's a nice depth piece, Cedric Tillman, nice depth piece. But if that's just a signal that they're going to go from like bottom five, bottom 10 in neutral pass rate, neutral pace to potentially being top five. We saw that with Bill O'Brien at times uh, sign me up for all that. Yeah. I mean, the Browns were dead average last year in terms of points per game at 21.2. If they get up to, I don't know, let's say seventh overall where Cincinnati or where Minnesota was, that's 25 points. You know, that's four extra points per game. And that equals fantasy points for us. Let's go through their number one pass catcher. Okay. After this, it's a name that we haven't been able to discuss in a very long time. It's Calvin Ridley. Um, Love me some Calvin Ridley. Talk about value. If Calvin really hits this year, the Jaguars got a damn steal in what they traded for. Absolute steal. Like you said in the the Trevor Lawrence part of our quarterback rankings, the Jaguars had this ceiling to their offense downfield, and that's where Calvin Ridley has just been exceptional is downfield. So he really lines up. And I think that that was despite Trevor Lawrence, his eyes, if you watch him, He's a heat-seeking guy downfield. He's ready to let the ball rip down there, and I think Calvin Ridley's going to go there. Um, the the range of outcomes here are just massive. So to me, in my rankings, I'm going to play for the upside because that's what best ball is rewarding. So I want to be all over Calvin Ridley. He's still only 28 years old, and even Christian Kirk last year, who's an up-and-down season, and right. is not nearly as good as Calvin Ridley when Calvin Ridley's going. He was still the wide receiver 14. Zay Jones was the wide receiver 26. Uh, Evan Ingram was the tight end six. So there's still plenty of room, and that's with Trevor Lawrence uh, still in the infancy part of his career. So I think there's a massive bull case if we can just hit it. And I don't think that anyone should be confident if he's going to hit it or not. I just think that I know that it definitely exists. That was going to be my follow-up question because among these names in this area, he is certainly the most volatile option. I wonder if we're overreacting because we all love watching Calvin Ridley and, but you know, drafting him as our wide receiver 15, that's really bold. I mean, that's ahead of some names we're about to talk about. And like the Olaves, the Debo's, the DK's, the Keenan Allen's have been doing it for like mm-hmm. multiple seasons, but I go back to exactly how you led in this conversation. He led the NFL in 20 plus yard targets and receptions back in 2020. And that is the area that the Jaguars offense needs the most. And like we saw Doug Peterson work some magic in the second half of last season with the types of players that they had. Mm -hmm. And if I think Doug Peterson is a good coach, and as you said, attached to an aggressive quarterback that does want to throw down the field and has a cannon for an arm. I don't see how Calvin really, who, if we're trying to read the tea leaves here is taking this extremely seriously and like wants to, be back to being among the elite wide receivers in the league. I don't think I'm overreacting. Yeah, I agree. I'm definitely rooting for him. Just when you guys are watching Trevor Lawrence, just watch his eyes and how he wants to be super aggressive. Uh, So perfect fit. Okay. After this is DK Metcalf. Um, Stud. (laughs) Duh. Pretty good. Actually, what stood out to me about DK Metcalf and I, I didn't recognize this when just, you know, watching the game each and every week. He led the league in terms of market share 
of red zone targets last season. Did you know this? He had 27 red zone targets last year. Only had eight catches, though, and five went for touchdowns. But that was at 40.3 in terms of his market share. The next closest was A.J. Brown at 34%. Pretty amazing. That's going to be Jonathan Mingo next is all the old Miss guys. <laughs> um, yeah, my notes was DK Metcalf pretty good. I do think that the Charbonnet and Jackson Smith and Jigba selections definitely hurts DK Metcalf to some extent. But I'm doubling down on this Seahawks offense. I think they're going to be fantastic. And... It's so strange that that the red zone stats, because in my notes, I see only six touchdowns on 139 targets, right? We're talking about a grown ass man in DK Metcalf. So if we can hit on the right side of touchdown variants, giddy up. It is pretty shocking. A lot of those seem to be in that 11 to 20 yard range because he was third in just raw targets inside of the 20. And then you drop down to and he had 27 of those. You drop them to inside the 10 yard line. We only had 10 and he's like ninth or 10th on that list so it seemed like when they needed a big play in that area and like tried to convert a four-point play then uh dk was the target for sure who's your favorite corner in that division (laughs) there's like you basically can't even name what it no more jalen ramsey see ya this is not an idp show hayden okay after dk metcalf it's chris olave i mean people love and rightfully so, second-year wide receivers. What I loved about Chris Olave's game last year is, I don't know if you can point to, like, pure flash plays, you know, mm-hmm. or highlight reels and be like, oh, that's what we're extrapolating. Instead, he was uber consistent at every level of the field, and no doubt about it, no matter what you or I think about Derek Carr, that should be an upgrade versus the Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill experiment from last season. So smooth, clearly knows ball, can win underneath and can win definitely downfield. So there's definitely room for upside. I really want to root for Chris Olave. I think he's a fantastic player. I just think the market's getting a little ahead of itself. We talked about some of the coaching staff concerns that we've had, slow pace. They don't really throw the ball more or that much. Now you have... Uh, Michael Thomas back potentially that could be bad news for Chris Olave if Michael Thomas is truly back here and I was kind of looking at the Chris Olave stuff he was a very like he was a pretty consistent player but there was never any games where he was like truly alpha-ing in ways that the rest of this tier has he only had two games above six receptions uh his efficiency was fantastic but i just looked back there wasn't as many spiked weeks as i thought there was going to be looking back at his Mm -hmm. his profile and i think that's not his fault i think that's a fault of how the saints are kind of viewing this team where they want to win with defense they want to be pretty slow pace and balance and i think that's just with dennis allen calling the shots who i think both of us agree is one of the the dullest uh minds (laughs) at head coach right now only four touchdowns scored last year. Is that correct? Yeah. It's, it, to me, it's it's just the freaking offense. And maybe yeah. Derek Carr just like completely masked all this Carr stuff. Carr can change this a little bit because like he had a large number of his targets as 20 plus yarders. And going back to Ohio State and obviously playing with CJ Stroud, Beast. that was a huge part of his game, right? 24% of his targets last year were 20 plus yards on the field. And I don't know. And I don't actually think blaming him at all for any of this no. is is part of the game plan here but he only caught seven of 27 of those targets and nine of them ended up being contested targets and i think some of that is probably quarterback play and as much as i love olave at 6'1 189 he's not a contested catch guy yeah he's he's a vertical number one wide receiver in like ways that calvin ridley can kind of win um i think he's very good it's just i think he's yes, awesome he just has to overcome the offense and right. he has to overcome the odds of Michael Thomas actually returning. Like I think the most likely outcome is Michael Thomas is kind of just whatever. And he's, we're glad that he's around, but he's not the same type of player. But if Michael Thomas is truly back, I don't think that the saints offense is going to be able to support to like top 15, top 20 fantasy wide receiver. So I'm slightly lower on him. Nothing against Chris Olave, fantastic player. What do you want to say about Debo Samuel? Who is our wide receiver 18? Since we've been doing the show, I've been the Debo Samuel doubter. Yes. And I've been proven right for most of the time. I'm back in this year. Out on the back. <laughs> I'm in on Debo Samuel. His ADP has fallen to a point where I like it. The 49ers were 26 in pass attempts last year. What's so much fun about Debo Samuel is if your boy Brock Purdy is as good as he, as he was last year, there's a chance that 
the 49ers pass the ball a little bit more than they would with Trey Lance. But more importantly is he's so easy to stack because his price tag has gone down and the quarterback that you're going to be stacking with isn't being drafted till the 16th, 17th, 18th round. And even beyond that for best ball mania for purposes, there's going to be teams that are going to be stacking the 49ers offense and they're going to either pick Trey Lance or Brock Purdy. And that means half of the, the leagues that are that are stacking this 49ers team are going to pick the wrong quarterback. They're not even going to have the quarterback that's going to take advantage of that. So I like to sprinkle in Debo Samuel, still a fantastic player. And George Kittle is a little bit older. And it's kind of one way I can bet against George Kittle kind of staying at his baseline rates. One of your greatest calls since the show came into existence was Mike Williams two years ago. Now we find ourselves once again, it feels like these guys are just attached every year in rankings, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen back to back. Uh, You've spoken a lot about how much you love the offensive changes here in terms of pace, in terms of plays run. Um, These guys are getting older, you know, but I feel like it would be a crime to rank them or draft them any later than this. It is nice. Justin Herbert goes right next to them as well. So if yeah. you're sitting at the round four or five turn, it's super easy to stack them. We know that the upside is there. I'm going Mike Williams ahead of Keenan Allen once again, just because he's Vibes. younger and that's basically it. And he <laughs> wins downfield a little bit more. That's that's basically it is. I don't think they're, they're not going to throw the ball more. The, the, the Chargers were already second in pass attempts. What we need is we just need better play calling. We don't like Kellen Moore is going to run with fast pace. He's still going to call a bunch of passes. I think that's how Brandon Staley wants his offense to run. I think that the play volume is still going to be there no matter what. They just need better plays. And you and I are not going to be the ones necessarily dissecting the exact play uh, that's working better. But I trust that Kellen Moore is just going to be better at that than Joe Lombardi. So I'm backing it on Mike Williams again. Okay. Last name on this list. And he just had his fifth year option picked up. It's Jerry Judy. And here we are in 2023. And I still don't know like exactly who Jerry Judy is as a player. Maybe I'm dumb for saying that they were actually, maybe this is the better way of saying it. Games last year left me more positive about Jerry Judy's game than I ever had been previously. I think he's like a chaotic route runner at times kind of falls down, but I understand he's attached to Russell Wilson, but I'm also going to say he's attached to Sean Payton. And if Sean Payton doesn't want to deal him away and wants to keep him on the roster despite other teams calling, that sticks out to me in projecting him for 2023. So agree with you. I think that the market was over bullish on Jerry Judy early on, but his ADPs kind of stayed put. And he had a great season down the stretch last year. Got kind of got wasted because we were mocking the Broncos offense and what they turned into, but he was still averaging like over 70 yards per game. That's really good. Uh, the fact that they picked up his fifth year option and were asking for a first rounder, which they were never going to get for Jerry Judy. I think it's pretty promising. Um, I don't think that Marvin Mims ma- matters for Jerry Judy. I think that Jerry Judy needed some development and maybe just a little bit of humblingness in his route running. And I think that Sean Payton's kind of g- going to be one of the guys to get that out of him. So uh, I definitely like Jerry Judy well ahead of Cortland Sutton. All right, if you've made it this far, we're 40 minutes in, you better be subscribed to the channel. If you're very new, trust me, we're going to have a ton of really good fancy content, not just now, not just in June, but also in July and August. Our whole goal is to help you win your fancy league, point blank period. We're going to create content to help you do that. Okay, this is a tier break, Hayden. I'm going to throw out three names for the rest of the time that we do the show, and you pick one of them and talk about it, okay? So the next three for us are Terry McLaurin, then Chris Godwin and Christian Watson. I've been drafting Chris Godwin in this tier. I'm still open to Terry McLaurin, certainly, but Chris Godwin, he was 66th overall last year. It was a career low 7.2 yards per target. It was a career low 5.7 average depth of target. He basically, when Tom Brady didn't want to take a, a sack, he would basically look at Chris Godwin's direction. We should expect Chris Godwin, who had a multiple ligament uh, ACL, I think it was plus MCL tear, uh, two years ago to look a little bit better. And while Baker Mayfield is arguably a downgrade from Tom Brady, I still think that Chris Godwin is going to get his. I still think there's a chance that Mike Evans gets traded, whether that's at the deadline or right now. But I just think that Chris Godwin's just going to go back and uh, just start eating a little bit better. His efficiency should, should rebound. I want to talk about Christian Watson because we love second-year wide receivers. Um, just looking at his numbers, he had three touchdowns on 20 plus yard receptions and four touchdowns on 10 to 19 yard receptions. And then he had just seven carries and scored two <laughs> touchdowns off of those. Uh, he is the definition of a big play threat and a dude that ran so hot 
in the second half of last season. Now we have a massive quarterback change. And Aaron Rodgers, when he saw single coverage or uh, even and leaving situation for Christian Watson, he threw it up. And like even in the red zone, just knew that Christian Watson could out athlete his opponent, which is exactly what we saw at North Dakota State. And it translated in that second half of year one. I have no clue. I know we saw a game or two of starting, but no clue what a Jordan Love-led offense is technically going to be about. Um, but I'm almost banking on Christian Watson, this big play stuff sticking to a degree, and at the same time developing to be a more consistent pass-catching threat where there still are tremendous questions among everyone else catching passes on this offense. I'm really bullish on Christian Watson this year. The regression models are going to be very on Christian Watson's uh, radar. Uh, And the Packers were 11th in passing touchdowns last year, which was more than I expected. Kind of looking back at their season, I would expect that to decrease. So Christian Watson's going to have to overcome a bunch of things, but if he's that good and Jaden reads, I think of kind of a whatever second round pick, I think that he could stand out above the rest. It's just, Basically, basically like a talent evaluation. But yeah, but like when you put it on paper, he's massive. He wins after the catch. Like he's so fluid with, with the ball in his hands. Spike weeks are a big deal for us, mm-hmm. right? And he like checks all those bo- boxes and like target competition. To me, he's like, I understand the volume might not be there each and every week, but who knows what it's going to be this year when he actually has like a preseason and an off season and has been working with Jordan Love quite a bit. The I think on the quarterback show, I said I was going to be very optimistic on Jordan Love if they picked up his option, and then I was going to be very pessimistic if they didn't pick up his option. Of course, what they do for the first time ever, they negotiated <laughs> a middle ground between the two, so I'm still in flux on what to do. All I know mm. is Jordan Love goes late, and Christian Watson goes like after that tier where I feel really good about the wide receiver, so I'll, I'll mix in a little Christian Watson, Jordan Love stack. And by the way, we are much higher than drafters are right now on Terry McLaurin. We have him as our wide receiver 22 and he's being drafted as a wide receiver 27 but we'll save that for another show how about that okay next three names drake london deandre hopkins christian kirk deandre hopkins one of my favorite players but he had the lowest grade since his rookie season last year and there's a chance that kyler murray doesn't play that much so i'm a little bit concerned about deandre hopkins i think his adp is going to fall I think it would have been better if he went elsewhere. The fact that he's returning is probably not good for him. Uh, Marquise Brown is in there. He's definitely more target competition than DeAndre Hopkins has used to have uh, in Arizona. So I'm a little bit worried about DeAndre Hopkins. And then same thing with Drake London. It's like, I love him as a player. Uh, he was actually the highest graded rookie wide receiver last year, according to PFF, which I found pretty interesting given his, his metrics, but then you're kind of stuck in a bad offense. So really interesting tier of wide receivers. I don't think I love any of the three. Yeah. Again, we talked about it with the quarterbacks and running backs, but the Falcons wanting to be more balanced means they might take away six rushes per game, but that also means, you know, six targets adding added on top of it. If they don't change their pace or, you know, play usually you, they'll, they'll be more passes because they're the clocks aren't ticking. Makes sense. I think that math checks out. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. I don't have conviction about any of these three guys. I think DeAndre Hopkins can still have production in Atlanta, whoever the quarterback is. Um, because, but I also, he's not going to listen to this. I also think that DeAndre Hopkins' game has like declined quite a bit, if I'm being honest. I don't think he nearly creates the separation like he used to, and he never was like, one of the best separators in the league. He used to be one of the best wide receivers in the league point by period. But now I think he relies more on that, the dark arts, the push-offs, the contested catches than he ever has before. And I don't think you can reverse time in that regard. You talk about the dark arts a lot. Do you, are you a big Theo Vaughn guy or you just happen to say the same, same catchphrase? I'm a big Harry Potter guy. That where it comes from. I, I'm thinking that Theo Vaughn's bigger than than Harry Potter. Oh my god, <laughs> love Theo Vaughn though. <laughs> the boy who lived comes to die. Okay, uh, Drake London. I, I want to see like a huge, huge second season from him, and like he has a talent in him. He does. Just the offense might not allow him to do it. You know, and it feels like one of those conversations every Tuesday on stats versus film that we're going to like continue to say that 
you know? Where do I need to uh, bring my freaking picketing signs to get Ryan Tannehill <laughs> out to Atlanta? Please save this offense. All right. Four more names, five more names. Here's the next three. DJ Moore, now a Chicago Bear. Brandon Ayuk, and then Jordan Addison. I think DJ Moore is the most fascinating of the three because I'm lower on him. I think what's happening in Best Ball Mania 4 in particular is we want to draft Justin Fields. I don't blame everybody. He's a third-round pick. And then you have to go afterwards and find the wide receiver. So I think that his ADP is getting dragged up to where Justin Fields is. And I'm not sure if the math is necessarily going to check out because, I mean, last year, obviously, the Bears didn't have any wide receivers, but they were 31st and expected fantasy points to the position. And Justin Fields, we love him as a prospect. We think he's going to get better, but uh, he's still a very hit and miss quarterback uh, when it comes to just dropping back in general. So I'm not sure if the math is necessarily going to check out. They add Chase Claypool and Robert Tunyon in there. Darnell Mooney's still a, a guy. So I think it's going to be a little little bit difficult for DJ Moore to kind of pay off where he's going. Where we have him ranked is definitely lower than where he's currently being drafted at. I was a huge proponent of Brennan Ayuk heading into last season. Then we saw whatever the hell happened at the quarterback position. I'm firmly in the camp that among pure wide receivers in the league, I think Brandon Ayuk is one of the more underrated players. I mean, but then he finishes as wide receiver 37 in points per game. The mm-hmm. dude just can't have a fast start. Like it's impossible for him. Um, heading into last year, I believe like his final eight or nine games, he was the wide receiver 11 overall in fantasy points per game. And then this past season, like you hit the halfway point or actually after five games. And there he goes out there for like 24 points, 12 points, 17 points, 10 points, 15 points, you know, then finishes it with 10 and 22. Like Brandon Ayuk has a talent in him to be a top 24 scoring wide receiver each week. I think on the same side, you can say, well, that's just the offense, you know, but if we do get Brock Purdy, my guy, I think we will get more consistency from someone like Brandon Ayuk because again, the talent 100% warrants it. Brandon is the poster boy for me of, uh, for the people that pretend that target competition doesn't matter and that targets are earned, it's like Brandon Ayuk is way better than the targets that he gets. And it's because he's dealing with freaking Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Christian McCaffrey. There's only one football last time I checked. So like we have to pretend that target competition doesn't matter. Brandon Ayuk is better than where we rank him in fantasy, but he he more or less needs either Kittle or Debo Samuel to kind of get out of the way. Okay. Final two. And we'll talk about Jordan Addison when the bunch of rookie stuff next week. Uh, there's one more on this list. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Hayden, we have ahead of Tyler Lockett. Um, don't tell the people out there, but we are bullish on JSN. And then right after that, our 32nd wide receiver, that seems crazy to say, is Michael Pittman. And my immediate reaction is I want to move up Michael Pittman on these rankings. Yeah, Michael Pittman, I definitely want some Anthony Richardson exposure. So that's going to get me on to Michael Pittman. Uh, I think he's going to be very inconsistent just as we watch Anthony Richardson kind of uh grow and get some some experience as a pass catcher uh the jsn stuff i think a pretty disappointing landing spot in the short term just because he's basically relegated to three wide receiver sets only and now that they're going to have more tight ends involved they've got two running backs now it's just going to be a little bit harder for jsn to earn those targets so i have addison much clearer path to be the number two or number three target on his own team um one spot ahead of jsn a few names after this, Mike Evans, George Pickens, Kadarius Tony, Tyra Lockett, Traylon Burks. Um, but guess what? We have two months to talk more about these wide receivers. And this is just an early look at the top 32 at the position. The people loved it in the running back video, Hayden. So let's close with some of our favorite oh sleepers. Um, while you're pulling that up, again, want to remind you to go and try best ball for the first time. This is the summer to do it. Click the link down below. It's your first deposit. I personally will match it up to $100 if you click the link or use promo code the show, all one word. Hayden, your first sleeper is? Nobody will be higher than me than on Jonathan Mingo. How dare you do this to me? I love Jonathan Mingo. How I'm dare you do him. this to I'm me? claiming Jonathan Mingo right now. Everyone. <laughs> You're such an <laughs> asshole. Go ahead. Steal it. No. I mean, I'm the one who called him and draft gods called them for this wish and got him at the number 39 overall selection. I did some digging out there, uh, sent a few text messages and DMs. Some might say I asked, okay, when you consider 
where the Panthers took him and their other needs, what type of evaluation, what type of grade did they have on Jonathan Mingo? All I got back uh, was three words, high as fuck. So uh, to me, I understand dealing away DJ Moore and you bring in DJ Chark, who I actually think has lost some juice over the years. Adam Thielen certainly has lost some juice. And just hearing what Frank Reich, and we'll talk about this when we talk about all the rookies, has said about Jonathan Mingo's fit and how they just love him personality-wise, I'm of the opinion already that despite his production in college coming against Central Arkansas and Vanderbilt, um, that Jonathan Mingo is going to lead this team in production this season among the all-wide receivers. Can we please get Roto World to get a headline blurb? Panthers, quote, high as fuck on Jonathan Mingo. Rotopad, Denny Carter, I know you're listening somewhere. Please get that up on the side. I'm, I'm with you there. Um, my actual name that I'll go with is Nico Collins. Nico Collins had a pretty good run out. The, the Texans certainly could have added more target competition his way. He is a better and best ball type of player, a true X wide receiver. Uh, he has no target competition on, on the boundary. And CJ Stroud, this is like an easy way to bet on CJ Stroud. Nico Collins goes really late. And I think that he's going to be uh, continuing to improve. And I just like uh, betting on him. It's an easy way to add some correlation late in your drafts with Stroud and Nico Collins. Final point on Mingo. One, you have to think that if you take them with like the seventh or eighth pick of the second round, then you probably have a first round grade on them. This is the first wide receiver drafted in round two over the last few years. Mingo, Christian Watson, Elijah Moore, T. Higgins, Debo Samuel, and Cortland Sutton. All those guys have had pretty damn good seasons, you know? Just we saying. loved him. Go watch our Mingo video. We we were grinding the tape. This was before the report that he was going to go top 50. We oh, were yeah. like, this guy this looks pretty he was going to go like 72 overall. Yeah, we we were on him first. Um, we talked about Michael Pittman earlier. We love Anthony Richardson. Believe he's going to play immediately. And almost as like the wide receiver seven or wide receiver eight in drafts when I'm filling out that slot, Alec Pierce is on the board. And we know that Anthony Richardson is at his best throwing 10 plus yards down the field. Alec Pierce did not have a quarterback that could throw 10 plus yards on the field last year. Literally Matt Ryan could not Nick Foles could not Sam Ellinger could not. And that's Alec Pierce's game as a vertical athletic, even contested catch if he needs to wide receiver. So I almost think the strengths of Alec Pierce and Anthony Richardson totally line up and you can get him right now as wide receiver 63. Yep, I think it's a good call. I I think Pierce is a pretty good player just in general. I'm searching for another name. I think that Elijah Moore makes some sense. Tyler Boyd, but those aren't sure. those aren't deep enough down there. I love the Elijah Moore stuff because again, I think we ranked Deshaun Watson regrettably earlier than a lot of people. He's in that like grouping where I'm comfortable drafting him as my lead quarterback. And if you miss out on Amari Cooper, you can still go and get Elijah Moore or David Njoku and like be able to stack. Watson very comfortably, which it's difficult to do that with other quarterbacks that are going around. Them. Yep. All right, I got three sicko names for you. I mean, we're talking really deep in the rankings. Corey Davis, I think is going to get cut by the jets. And I think he's going to land in a spot. He has a unique body type and skill set that he's going to be a starting wide receiver. He goes undrafted on underdog fantasy. A really disgusting name would be Josh Reynolds, who I think is going to be the oh, number gross. two wide receiver uh, on, on the lions. If you want to get really crazy, uh, and then the last name was Van Jefferson. I mean, like, go look at the Rams depth chart. Like, it's a good, it's got to be somebody, right? And Van Jefferson has like some uh, pedigree at least. So I think that he's a good, very last round pick as well. Should we not bring up yards per route run God in Rashid Shahid? <laughs> I mean, he's being drafted as wide receiver 66. Good on the people out there for drafting him. I understand, yeah. like, the, the, the sample size of that is very small, but I thought right. Rashid Shahid actually had some uh, obvious juice. That is not, you know, a random thing to say. I did want to bring up um, one other name, if I can find it here. I was really in on Cleo Shakur before the Dalton Kincaid news because I thought Shakur showed some movement that was quite different than, let's say, like Isaiah McKenzie mm -hmm. out there. And I still don't know exactly what the Kincaid usage, it, usage is. But um, as wide receiver 79, I think... Um, what Khalil Shirker can bring in year two of this offense. Uh, there's some upside there. Yeah. There's, there's so many disgusting names. I got to save some of these takes for, for there's a shows. lot of wide receiver names. Holy I'm not saying God. another wide receiver take until we get to 50,000 subs. Dare I tell them your Wandale Robinson ranking right now? No, we'll save that. No, I, I will. I will. Oh, torn ACL in November. And he's 180 pounds slot only player. And there's 1400 
slot receivers in New York. I feel let's just fine. say let's just say that Hayden has Cal Phillips seven spots ahead of Wondell Robinson right now. But these are all fluid. These are all fluid. I feel good about that. I don't care at all. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for tuning in. Again, go and watch the running back version of this, the quarterback version of this. Shout out to producer Weeds for helping us with not just these videos, but all the other prospect profiles that we went through. Um, we're going to be drafting on this channel quite a bit this summer now that we have enough employees that we can draft with and they're not scared to draft with us compete um compete is the right way of putting that and be on the lookout for all the other content that we put out there and most importantly go and draft an underdog all right for hayden i'm josh up the villa we'll talk to you soon see ya